I just want to review just a, a few things. I believe it goes in line with uh, some of the things Ruth just shared uh, from last night. 2022, for those who have faith to believe, will be a year of deep and divinely ordained encounters. A year of acceleration. A year of extreme abundance. A year of revelation. A year of the beauty of the Lord. A year of repentance. A year of a release of a fresh baptism of fire and a pioneering spirit to birth God realities. A pioneering spirit to birth God realities. What do pioneers do? They go before and they birth things in the earth so that others could come after them. I don't know if you realize even just what happened just a moment ago with a, a woman standing in the pulpit years ago, even, uh, well, actually, probably even in some places today, uh, but for a large part of the American church, a woman could not stand and teach in the pulpit. And thank God that even as, as our theology wasn't perfect, but it was the early pioneer Pentecostals allowed women to minister from the pulpit. And in fact, it was pioneering women who unlocked that door and took the stigma. So many times we accept things now as just commonplace, but there was a pioneer that went forth that allowed that reality to take place. So that's what pioneers do. Many of you, if you're the first generation in your family, and I want to suggest to you that probably, even if you're the first quote-unquote generation in your family to get born again, if you if you had the opportunity to discern it, you could probably find people many generations in your family years ago who got born again that you not, might be aware of. But maybe you're restarting something, whether you realize it or not, you are a pioneer for your family. You're a pioneer for righteousness. You're a pioneer for truth. You're a pioneer. Uh, uh, my grandfather was a pioneer. He pioneered things so that I live in the benefit of, of choices he made. I, I didn't have to... I, I personally, uh, me, I never saw alcohol in my house. Why? Because the day my dad got born again, he said, I don't need this. Nobody gave him a teaching. He said, I just don't think this is a good thing for my life. So I don't, I, he pioneered certain things. If you put a beer in front of me, it's not a temptation for me. Now there's other things he could put, but, but we won't get into that. But some of you look at me. Yeah, I mean, you all, we all have things, but in those areas, you're pioneering them. I remember one time I, I was working through something and, he, and the Lord just showed me my lineage, where it came in. And so you're pioneering things. And we also said it's a, a defining moment and we said that it's a point at which the essential nature or character of a person or a group of people is revealed. We looked at the concept that we are three distinct parts and we, are, we don't have a spirit, we are a spirit. And one of the key uh, aspects of discipleship is learning to govern our hearts, learning to steward our hearts. And this is really important, particularly in our culture today, because even subtly in the body of Christ, there is an embracing, even in small places, of a victim thinking. There's a whole culture of, uh, of, of, of uh, things in culture, media, and things that keeps people victim to their circumstance. And I even sometimes hear believers say, I don't know why I do that. If you're a believer and you're saying that, you better figure it out because you're the one doing it. 
And God cannot do for you what He's asked you to do. See, sometimes in, in, it sounds or, or it can sound in a sense spiritual, but uh, we, that sort of little thing, and it's, it's not, not shame or blame if you said that, it's just that discerning that little place in your thinking where you are embracing victimhood when you are a powerful person. You have the ability with God's help to work through that. Now think about this. When you were unregenerate, the enemy cannot stop anyone from getting born again. He said, the enemy cannot stop anyone from getting born again. That's why when we pray, especially corporate, anytime, corporate meetings, when I pray for my relatives, I said, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding. Open the truth. Let the light of the truth come in. Uh, let words, let dream, whatever it may be, let things come to open their eyes that no matter how, quote, no one is too far. No one is too far. No one is too, you know, uh, there's no one. I don't care what they're doing, you know. And usually right before they're about, you know, God's about to encounter them, they ratch up the darkness. And what the enemy wants to do is get you to agree. Oh, yeah, no, it's just getting worse, you know. And he's like, yes, it's getting worse. And all, you know, because they're empowered by your words. Even when I pray for uh, President Biden, one of the things I constantly discern is the voice of believers that send further judgment to his life. Listen, it's not funny to mock him. It's not funny. That is disrespectful. And let me just say this. Let's go Brandon should not be something that comes out of any believer. Do you actually know what you're saying? You're cursing a man who's in an office that only God could allow him to be in. These things should not be so among believers. It's not funny. What if someone mocked your relative who was bound? I don't have to agree with the man's worldview. But he's in a tough space. These things should not be so among the people of God. So, anyway, just allow the Spirit, that's one of the things I always pray, I pray, Spirit of Truth, show me any, even just little tweaks in my thinking. But the enemy cannot stop anyone from getting born again. No one. So if the enemy can't stop you from getting born again, now with God in you, nothing can stop you from the ability to partner with God to overcome every limitation. And the beautiful thing is, is God's always like, I'm here to help. You're like, yeah, I keep messing up. I'm here to help. It's one of the great things about the new year because it's a signal that it's, it's, a, it's a natural part of the kingdom of God that shows you no matter, you're, you're like, I just keep doing the wrong thing. Yes, I'm here to help. Keep making that bad financial choice. I'm here to help. Keep dating men on eHarmony that are no good. I'm here to help. <laughs> well, we laugh. Eh? We, I think this June year 20. Let me just say, you are a beautiful person. You don't have to compromise your values, your love for God, to date some fool. You're way too valuable to date a fool. It's really strange. So I tell some women, like, you're too valuable to date this fool. 
So the, he, every, anything, I'm here to help. Now, you'll find true deliverance when you take responsibility. Now, you can, you can discern maybe a root of why something's happening, but that cannot be the cause of why you stay bound. You're like, oh, you know, my mom didn't encourage me. That could be true, but that does not make you a victim of how your mom treated you. Now you're an overcomer. You have a beautiful thing. You can forgive her. You can release it. You, you can ask God to rebuild those areas that maybe a natural mom should have filled. But that does not keep you a victim. No one is a victim in the kingdom of God. Victim thinking will keep you bound. Greatest thing you can ever do. Like, yep, I did that. Because I was thinking incorrectly. Please forgive me, God. Help me. Walk it out. But no one's a victim. And, it, it, and on your day, this is also really, God, the kingdom of God is very, very encouraging. On the day of your worst, make, your, your worst mistake, he goes, I'm here to help. <laughs> Adam and Eve changed the course of world history. We're still working through that era. And he goes, I'm here to help. And he comes with a promise. That's why people who've made lots of mistakes, we should uh, get them in a place where we get the word of the Lord too because it always comes with a promise. Because He causes all things to work for certain good. Doesn't mean... You know, now, now there, there, there's, there's things we, 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 we don't want to obviously do incorrect things. You know, God will forgive. That's where we got it all twisted. That's twisted thinking too. But if there's a mistake that has been made, then there should be an encouragement that you can walk through this. There's no, one that, there's no one that's made too many mistakes that is irredeemable. Now the other side of that is, if you have made certain choices, we as a people and relationships have a right to have boundaries for you. People cheat on their spouse. You know, they make the wrong mistake in that area. They're like, My spouse doesn't, doesn't trust me. Yes, they have good reason not to trust you. Because I have to love you, but the Bible never told me to trust you. Trust is earned based on consistent choices of integrity. Why are they, why are they text me in the night? Well, because you used to do bad things in the middle of the night. Why are they checking my computer? Because you used to do things where we had to check your computer. Now, we shouldn't put constant shame or guilt on that person, but it's boundaries, things we call boundaries. It's accountability. It's these are the, 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 this is the way we need to relate to you for a season because you have proven yourself unworthy in that area. Not quiet with that. Because sometimes, this is this just needs to be said, I, 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 I'm thinking I'm going to do a seminar for young people. No, really. Because there's been such rampant immorality among the people of God. I don't know. I, I, I just think a little differently. I think the Word of God should be a standard. These single people, like, we're on vacation. They're dating in the same room. Nothing's going on, right? There's nothing to pray about. 
Listen, there are consequences for not living as God intended. And, and part of why that's so destructive is because one of God's goals since the garden is to restore people to purity and innocence. That's why holiness is beautiful. Because there was an innocence that was lost that He wants to restore you to. So he doesn't want you, it's like you, it's like the story of the prodigal son. You've been made a righteous king and yet you want to live in the mire of muck because you don't understand how good God is. That's really what holiness is. And so, I don't know how I got on that, but I'm giving the dimensions of all that. I'm not interested in shaming, blaming anyone. But we have to t discuss these things because uh, I've even seen young people in the body, well, God will forgive me if I do. Yeah, He will forgive you. But you're about to enter an experience that God never intended for your life. And you don't sit in the meetings that I sit with people who've been injured because they violated God's Word in that area and they're still working through the implications 10 years later in their marriage. There, listen, listen to me, Linda. I don't know how I got on this. wasn't planning on But there is a dis, disrespect that happens when two people cross that line before they make covenant. God's Word is right. And listen, if you've done that, no, I'm, not trying to be, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to explain to people that stepping outside of God's Word when we know what He says has grave consequences. He doesn't want to spend three months, he wants to spend three months on you being in your purpose, not three months on all the implications of what happened in that moment. Whoa, we didn't expect all that. But... So we want to guard our hearts. That's, that's what holiness is, the guarding of our hearts. It's a purity. He has made you righteous. You're you're no more righteous. You're, you're, you're about as righteous as you'll ever be the day you got born again. What happens is, is in the renewing of your mind, as you renew your mind, you, you, your mind and your thinking now, become, now come into accordance with God's righteous ways in your life. And it, see, I remember 25 years ago, this, like, it was like that first day, like, you, you, like, I didn't think, you know, I think anything was wrong about certain ways of thinking. The moment you got born again, you go, I don't think that's right anymore. <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing. And you, and, and it also, it, 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 this is why it's so important to be wholehearted for the Lord. Because it's in, only in that wholehearted position for the Lord that you actually understand your need for Him. Because, you know, Lord, I, you know, I want to be righteous. I want to look at girls, right? You know, I'm 18 years old. I want to look at girls, right? And like five minutes later, you're not looking at girls, right? You go, God, I need you. And then you realize how much you need Him. I'm telling you, it's only in wholehearted pursuit. And then you also begin to see, as you begin to see from His perspective, you realize how perverse you think. Me, not you. You know, you, I know you, some of you got, you know, you were born and born again the day you got, you know. Not me. I had a lot of things to unlearn. Still unlearning some things. So it's so important to guard that heart and, 
and, and own those areas in our thinking. Own those alignments that we have that are unhealthy. We talked about the concept of the biblical heart. God, and I want to repeat a few things, God created your heart to be governed by the knowledge it receives. God has ordained revealed knowledge to define your heart. God created your heart to govern your thinking, therefore your behavior. Your heart has been created as a one-way highway. The conditioning and the positioning of your heart determines your behavior. What you are feeding your heart defines your behavior. You know, I noticed that. I, I, I got to own this one. You know, I, I watch secular news source and suddenly I find myself becoming very angry. I cross from righteous anger into Abner anger. So I wasn't mature enough to watch certain things. So I don't watch them anymore. See, little things or... or Learn to discern the environments you're in. You know, we just got out of Christmas, and I, and, I, and I know not all your relatives are born again. And so you're in these environments, and you leave them, and you're like, why am I anxious, right? Because you are in an environment where you receive their impartation. And words carry spirits. going to one of those Holy Spirit meetings again, Kyle, they're trying to project upon you, release spirits on you. Remember years ago, I had a, there's like this little conflict, this pastor on the West Coast, and I remember, ooh, I kind of feel nasty. And, I, and the Lord, that's when the Lord began to teach me, words carry spirits. So Lord, we thank you that we're not going to be defiled by any words spoken against us. What you feed upon will define the appetite of your heart. When you discipline your heart to put the Word of God, you become more hungry for the Word of God. We used David as an example last night. My heart and my flesh cry out for you, the living God. And we talked a little bit about the unfolding and the application of truth. Now, here's something uh, that I just want to retouch here that is really important. And it is this, the reason it's so important to constantly just position yourself. And I just encourage you, just how do you do this? You just start every day. You go, Father, today I present myself as a living sacrifice. I just declare every morning, I say, this is the day you've made. And thank you because I will rejoice in it. But once again, I just put you first. You're, you, I am yours to command. I put your word first. But I present myself as a, as a living sacrifice. And you want to have that attitude where there's a humility like a child that you're willing to receive everything that the Lord wants to do, everything that the Lord wants to show. And He is incredibly practical. These little moments are attitudes, are things. You'll go, yep, see, that's, that's wrong. You said the right thing, but you had the wrong heart. You were right but you were wrong in how you approached that person. So he teaches us these things. Not because he's mean or cruel, because he's trying to teach you how to operate as a son or daughter properly. And because he wants you to have eternal rewards. 
You know, the things that you do for God, if they're not done with the correct motive and positioning of your heart, they burn on the day of judgment. Right. <laughs> Times the Lord told me, He said, Yep, that one's not going to survive. I have a dear friend who transitioned in August. Amazing. I never met a man like Ken Peters. He just transitioned to be with the Lord. And he had one of the most sobering moments five years into his ministry. He's well known. He traveled all over the globe. And uh, the Lord told him, he said, everything you've done in the last five years will, be, will not survive on the day of judgment because you've done it from the wrong place. So we want to keep humble hearts. want to be able to receive feedback from people. But it's so important that, to do that because the unwilling heart will be resisted by God. The unwilling, look at 1 Peter 5. This is why this is so dangerous. 1 Peter Chapter 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Now catch the context of how Peter puts this. He's talking about submission there, and that's another word that is often challenging even for the Western believer because People have had experiences with authority and things maybe that has missed, been abused or taken advantage of, but it doesn't take out the biblical truth of authority and leadership. I'm sorry if you've ever been abused or taken advantage of by a leader or manipulated, but it still doesn't take, it's kind of like if you've had a bad father, it doesn't take out the role of healthy biblical fathers. And don't create a weird doctrine to accommodate your trauma. Well, brother, the Lord is my shepherd. You're deceived. Because biblical discipleship is always done in the context of community and God is the one who chooses men and women to lead those communities. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. That's a good one. Be clothed with humility for God resists the proud. Resist the proud. Resist the proud. What does He resist? He resists the unwilling heart who will not repent. And repent is not just of sins, but repent of attitudes. Repent of wrong mindsets. Repent of, fall, repent of even how you think about money. All these things. He res, he, it's actually the only place in the Bible where He says He resists you if you resist His leading in that area. That's a powerful statement. It's observing something last year, and I go, I don't understand this, God. Why? How can that? How can there someone listen to the word of God and not adjust and you know and do these things? He goes, I resist the proud. It's the only place in Scripture where he says he resists you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Amen. Here's the other danger. He also knows that if you do not repent, 
then your behavior will eventually manifest perversely. Look at, look at uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're talking about the concept of the heart. You have heard it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his, in, 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 adultery with her in his heart. What's he saying there? He's telling us that the condition of your heart, if it doesn't change, will eventually manifest in action. That's why he holds you responsible before you ever do it and don't repent. So a, a concept that I've learned in walking with the Lord, I like to repent of, of things that I've allowed to sit in my heart. And sometimes it's not a good look. I talk to the Lord. He's like, you've been holding that thing against that person for a year and a half. I have? Yes, you have. That's why revelation is so important. And then this is something else the Lord began to say. We'll land the plane here, sort of. For this is a season of great divine purpose for my people. The scrolls of that which I have desired from the beginning of time for this distinct period and purpose for the earth are open. And I want you to know that they're full of grace, full of abundance, full of miracles, full of provision, of, of provision excuse me, for though the kingdoms and the entities of this world will continue to shake, my people must not be shaken. For they must have a must, must excuse me. For they must have a clear and distinct focus. For when you keep your focus upon me, I, you see as I desire to, you to see, and you have the ability to apprehend that which I've made available to my people, and know that which I've made available to my people is clean and pure, and I desire it to endure for eternity. Amen. You know what I found helps keep your focus is your purpose. Everyone on earth comes to earth with a purpose. The beauty of God, and we touched a little bit on this subject last night, we know one of the aspects of God is that He is eternal. It means He's eternally existing. And He thought about you before the very foundation of the earth. So the thought is this, if God is eternal and he thought about you before the foundation of the earth, perhaps in God's mind you've been around forever. That's a beautiful thought. So he thought about you, and part of how he thought about you is his purpose. There's a unique purpose on every person in this room. There's a unique reason. And by the way, this is the shortest part of your purpose. The Bible teaches us your life is but a vapor. That's why it says, don't store up things here on the earth. Store up things in heaven. Purpose means the reason for which something exists, an intended result, an aim, a goal, a determination, resoluteness. That's why revelation is so important. Because revelation, your purpose can only come by revelation. 
Jesus said this. He was the model son. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He, uh, he could only understand his purpose by revelation. True purpose can only be understood by revelation. For new believers, for people who have just come into these things, I have found if you will practice what it simply has already said in the word, you will discover your purpose. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Practice the Word of God. Seek to be a person of authority. Pray for the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Be part of a community of people. Be open for feedback. I've never found anyone who does those biblical things. You might not have it all figured out, but you know there is a place that God is taking you. Your purpose should drive you every day. And it also defines the boundaries of the focus of your life. I don't, this might be, you know, you might disagree with me, but I'm right. I don't believe in a balanced life. If I decide I'm going to run a marathon in two months, I only have 24 hours. Your time is a currency. I don't like wasting time. I only have 24 hours in a day. There is some part of my day that is now going to be taken up to train for that. So something else has to not exist anymore. But I'll tell you this. I, have, I can tell you with no exaggeration. I've never regretted saying yes to the Lord. I've never regretted an hour in His presence. I've never regretted talking to God. I've never regretted time in His Word. I've never regretted coming to a meeting. I have regretted when I missed the meeting. Never regretted. All these years later, I've, I never thought I missed out on anything in college. I'd spend my Saturday nights in prayer meetings. Like, you should really have some fun. This is fun. One of the reasons God gives you purpose is so that you would live a life of great intentionality. Foundations and discipline allow you to live your purpose long term. Foundations, it's the, it's the basis. So define, if you have never done it, take time to define your core values. What is going to define your life? I revisit all my core values every year. What defines my life in this season? One of the choices I made. It doesn't matter if, if, I, if this falls by the wayside in the ministry. If this falls by the wayside, it doesn't matter if we don't accomplish that. If as long as I have put God first place, the word and worship and prayer, that is what will get done. And you know what? All the other stuff gets done. Some of you, even today, you've made an effort to come here. You have a bunch of things going on. But I guarantee you, just like when you give an offering, God will reward the time back to you. I've had times where I got all these things. I just stop and pray. I'm going, no, no, I'm busy working for you. Take the 20 minutes. Boom, I get more revelation. Redeem the time for the days are evil. So true purpose only comes by revelation. Purpose is exclusive to you. You were born in original. Don't ever think what you have come to earth to do is not important. See, some, uh, Isaiah 49, see, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. That's how important you are to God. 
This is one thing, a value my parents taught me as a little kid. I'm very thankful for this value. My dad used to sit with me. You can do anything that God has called you to do. As long as you say yes and you're willing to work hard. That's another thing. We need to make working hard in America again. Popular. Amen. Lord Jesus. You go to restaurants. We don't have any help. I got some people who can help you. There may be people who have similar ministries. But they can't teach like Abner can. It's not an arrogant thing. It's just, I know. I've gleaned from many people. I have mentors and fathers in my life. But I've never wanted to be them. Never strive to be anyone else. Be an original. Be a voice, not an echo. You can, we all will incorporate things from different people who influence us. You can hear my grandfather and my teaching. But be the original that God has created you to be. True discipleship is not a bunch of people trying to preach like the pastor. True discipleship is discovering who you are in God and taking the equipping grace on that man or woman of God and adding it to the purposes of God in your life. Purpose can only be fulfilled by faith. I love Joseph and David. Actually, uh, Let's read 1 Samuel 16. Oh, it's gotten cool. Still with me? I'm just sharing again from the heart. Look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. And he said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, invited them to sacrifice. So it was, when they came, he looked at Eliab and he said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord says, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I always think those verses are really Pentecostal. For the Lord does not see. That's how I read that verse. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord! Happy New Year, everyone. But the Lord looks at the heart. There we go. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him sit down before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. There he is keeping sheep. And Samuel said, Send him and bring him here, for we will not sit down till he comes. Then he sent and brought him here, and he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. My Bible says like Abner. It's a very limited translation. Though. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. I don't know if you have that in your version. Dr. Walter, you have that in your version? Is it in your? It's, it's in yours? Yeah, I thought so. And the Lord took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. I read this, and you can read, first, uh, you can read Genesis 37. Constantly in Scripture, when God reveals part of people's purpose, 
It's never possible unless God does it. There's no school he can go to. There's no training he can go to. And I even think David's like, you know, he's harp. He's like, okay, you know, like if you thought, you know, thought like me, you're like, okay, I'm an intern in Saul's house. He's eventually going to recognize I got the call of God. He's going to mentor me. No, he's going to kill him. There is no way he can fulfill what God told him unless God would bring it to pass. Listen to me, Linda. There is no way you can really do the things that God has called you to do unless God would bring it to pass. So you will need faith and you'll also have to embrace process. You also never need to give up on what God has said. But here's the thing. Usually in process, you will no longer be defined by reaching that destination but by being like Him. But when you become like Him, you'll reach the destination. Because that's the real goal of discipleship. Good encouraging thing is it is not your responsibility to bring your purpose to pass. It's your responsibility to believe it will come to pass. But then it's those little moments are met in things that don't seem to make sense to you. You're like, I'm, you know, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to do this. And, and God is like talking to you about helping like your, your neighbor. Like, no, I'm called to be a prophet to the nations. He's like, help your neighbor. But I want to go teach Sunday school. Help your neighbor in this season. No, help your neighbor. You're like, you're trying to help God out. I don't want to go to the conference and then blow the shofar on me and put oil and all that. No, help your neighbor. I remember one of the reasons I really didn't want to give everything to the Lord as a little kid is I didn't want to go to Africa. I'm serious because I mean the pictures I saw of Africa. I don't know if you grew up like me. They put in these you know tapes and pictures like here's the children of Africa and like they got flies on them and you know like you can feed those like they got no running water. No way. No, I'm American. I'm a very honest person. I told the Lord that. So then when I surrendered my life to the Lord, He told me, you know, you're gonna, you have this call to the nations and we give you authority to govern the nations. And so I'm like, I'm ready to go to Africa now. And He goes, forgive your dad. No, no, I'm ready to go to Africa. You got a bad attitude against that professor. No, no, go to Africa. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Because he's building the inside. It's not an intellectual journey with God. God is also going to move people to different geographic locations for them to be positioned properly. I just felt that. True purpose necessitates process. Now this is a big one. Purpose is always for service to God and therefore humanity. The point was not Joseph being prime minister of a nation. The point was God to be faithful to His Word. So individual purpose always intersects with God's larger purpose for the earth. That's why it's so important to serve your generation. 
was thinking about this like four weeks ago before I was about to minister. There's a man, Dr. Hunt, when I was at Campbell University. So I don't even remember who this person was. He's like, there's going to be this young guy preaching at tonight. I think you'd really enjoy it. The Lord showed me years later, it's because my mom was praying me that I went to the meeting. You're backslidden. You usually don't choose to go to meetings on your own. Got quiet with that one. But, so I'm in the back of the auditorium because that's what you do when you're backslidden. I still remember. Taught this message on young people our age who would preach the gospel in a Muslim nation. And they would beat them with rods and they would throw them out. They come back again and preach the gospel. I remember in this back of the auditorium, I'm thinking, I love God, but I definitely don't love Him to do that. Who would want to do that? But I had this sense that night. wasn't like anything, like I couldn't move out of my seat. Just this thought. I believe God just gave me a thought and He didn't arrest me that night because I, I, I'd been around the things of God so much. I believe God was just saying, you can choose what you want right now. To whom much is given, much is required. And I'm in the back of this auditorium and I thought, I have this thought that somehow if I don't make a choice to surrender to God tonight, somehow my life is not going to turn out how God wants it to be. And I always live with this sense, probably my parents too, I always live with this sense that my life was supposed to be really, really significant. Some people have jokingly told me, your parents really loved you. They did. Your parents should love you too. They spanked me too. And I remember when I stood up that night. You know, you know what's coming if you've been around the things of God. You know, Stand at your feet if you want to surrender. As soon as I stood up, my whole life changed. Literally, my whole life changed and my whole generation changed. One message changed my whole I can that's not an exaggeration my whole life changed that night that song right I can see clearly now I never desired to be in ministry I thought preachers were strange especially Pentecostal ones they always were like bow your head and shut your eyes and I always kept my eyes open I was very rebellious you know And all the traveling preachers lived in RVs and had their kids sing when they couldn't even sing. Wrong. So I just, especially traveling, they're, they're strange people. And Brother Kruger always wanted everyone to pray in tongues when he came. I don't want to get under the pew every day. Brother Kruger's coming. Please, Lord Jesus, be sick. That didn't help, though, as a Pentecostal, because your parents would bring you to the meeting anyway. You get healed in the meeting, you know. People are like, I'm sorry I missed the meeting. I wasn't feeling well. My whole life changed. I wrote him a few years ago. I felt convicted that I never told this man how he changed my life. In the fulfillment of purpose, it's to put God on display. 
the fulfillment of the things that God has called you to do should be so unquestionably God that the world should take notice. And God, I'm going to close with this, God wants to trust a generation with secrets and mysteries that no one else can answer in this season. That will put God unquestionably on display. Last night I mentioned it. Some of you need to contend for anointings that every person you pray for gets healed. It's the will of God. But not just that. In the purpose that God has called you to be, seek to be someone who knows the mysteries of God in that area. The famous story, right, of George Washington Carver. He said, God, I want to know everything there is to know about you. He said, can't do that. Nobody can. But I can tell you everything you need to know about the peanut. So he gets wisdom and understanding for hundreds of products that come out of peanuts. Skin care, all these. Who knew from a peanut you could do that? God knows. Years ago, Cindy Jacobs had a program called God Knows. And that's just why we want to walk out this progression of the knowledge of God and allow the knowledge of God to define every area of your life. To be delivered of small cultural thinking. To be delivered of an American mindset. To be delivered of anything contrary to God and His ways. And what I've learned about God is He puts the gas down and never lets it go if you're willing to trust Him. I love, one of the things I love about my pastor, Al Bryce. He's 75, I believe. And he's still talking to me like he's, I'm going to do that. I got this. The Lord showed me this. I'm going to do this. I love that. This is not a man who's going to die poorly. This is not a man who's thinking like culture. Ever tell you what we're going to do? Yeah, praise the Lord. We're going to do it all. Get around friends like that. Read two things and then look at John the third chapter. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus and I believe it expresses his heart. Jesus answered and said, Are you a teacher of Israel? Do not know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify of what we've seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, what did he do? One of the primary ways he taught was through parables, we know. Parables are not real stories, we know. But he would tell stories to illustrate truths about an unseen kingdom that was supposed to run the world. So he had to use natural things people understood to display truths in the kingdom. And he's saying, I'm teaching you these stories, but you still don't get it. But then this expresses the passion of God. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he that has come down from heaven, which is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Jesus was the first man since Adam to express God's original intent. And he expresses it this way. He goes, no one's ascended except he that descended, which is the Son of Man who's in heaven, but he's standing on the earth. He's modeling 
what Peter would put language to, that you've been made partakers of the divine nature. You want to see how that divine nature works? It works in the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith calls things be not as though they are because they will be. God operates like that, so he gives you that same power. You're still a human. You still go, oh, I'm really weak. And he goes, I know, but I'm giving you divine power to overcome all things. But his heart is to share heavenly things that have all the implications of changing life here on the earth. That when you, when you display them, it is undeniably God. Unfortunately, sometimes I see unbelievers who track with this better than believers sometimes. I remember the first time I saw Steve Jobs. And I did this like presentation about an iPad. I go, who would need an iPad? I got a laptop. He saw something that could be valuable to life here on earth. And he's an unregenerated mind. How much more for the people of God? There are people in the body of Christ who've been working for other people for 20 years, yet they're supposed to be entrepreneurs. There are people who are entrepreneurs who are never supposed to be entrepreneurs. They're supposed to be planning churches because they have unique ways of seeing the world. But because probably somebody told them, no, that's not right, that's not how we do it, they've gone and done something else. Last verse, we read it last night. Let's read John 16. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Make it one of your life ambitions to be a person who God can share with you the weighty things of God that put God on display. And it's how you're stewarding what you have in your hand that determines your level of increase because this is what Jesus said. He would, he, if you listen to Jesus' words he spoke when he walked this earth, he would say things and he would just say it, and he would just throw them out there to see if he could invite you into the experience. He would say, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. Because to him who has, what did he say? More will be given. Why? Because there's this whole untapped realm of mystery that he wants to release upon the earth. And it's very practical. It's not this mystical thing sometimes. It's as practical as just hearing the word of the Lord for your neighbor. It's as practical as, as loving your boss when he's not very lovable. It's practical as blessing him. It's as practical as come 10 minutes early when you have trouble getting up in the morning. It's all these stewardships that open you up to hear truth that can change the world. What is a man who's going to change world history doing Moments before he steps into his, his, his crossroads moment. He is in a jail, stewarding the moment, interpreting dreams. And only God could bring that to pass. His job was not to bring it to pass. His job was simply to steward the moment. 
thousands of people are going to be put on display, but there's thousands of others who will be unknown. But our greatest satisfaction should always be Him. It doesn't matter what level of significance and prominence God gives us. It matters if we will be faithful to do what He has asked us to do in this season. It is a Joshua 1 moment. After the death of Moses, of the Lord, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all the people to this land, to the land I'm giving you, to the children of Israel. The Lord says, there is land. There is a place that my people have yet to inherit. There is a deep cry, says the Lord, in my heart. There is a deep cry for my people to cross over by the grace of God in their weakness to enter into a place of promise, a place of provision. But it can only come through the proper positioning of my people's heart. And so the Lord says, I've gathered you, you here at the head of the year, at the beginning when the calendar ticks and, and tells us of a new beginning. Hey, shika aramoho shoyo otonomoyo this is, the Lord says, the beginning of a new era for my people. If my people will receive it, it's the beginning of a new era. Even as there was a death of one of my servants, there was an emerging of a new servant who would take the people of God where they had never been before. There is an emerging grace upon the leaders of God in the earth to take the people of God to places they have not been before. 2022, says the Lord, is a time where I want to begin to take my people where they have not been before. So the Lord says, grieve the previous season and let it go. Grieve the challenge, grieve the trauma, and lay it at the feet of my cross. For there is now an advancing spirit a taking spirit, a spirit of those same spies who said we're well able to go up and possess the land. And so the Lord says to his people, you are well able to go up and possess the land. You're well able to do everything I've called you to do. For your job is to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. And the Lord says there is a hammer of fire. There's a hammer of justice. There's a hammer of righteousness. There's a hammer of truth now coming to the Western church, particularly America. Make no mistake about it. This is a time of cleansing. This is a time of purity. This is a time of breakthrough. But you must have an open and a positioned heart. You must be pliable to the purposes of God. You must be properly aligned in your relationships with me, with each other to enter into this place for that which I have to do must be done corporately for the Lord says it is time for the corporate man to arise in the earth as never before it is time for the corporate man to arise the corporate man, the honor for the individual person next to you, the honor for the men and women in the pulpit, the honor must define my people. Honor, truth, and justice must define my people. It 
Kere boho yo yo boyo boho shoyo. Mara moho shotoro boyo. Mere boho shoyondoro bohoyo. Ere moho shoyondoro boho shokoyo boyo. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit in this nation. I see like this, this beautiful ladle. I don't know how else to describe it. And it's like dumping fresh oil and glory and fire right on the middle of the United States. And it's going to the East Coast, to the West Coast, in the middle of the nation. I will pour out, says the Lord, something unique and strange that will connect to previous seasons, but it will be unique to this season. And I am, says the Lord, I am releasing a unique spirit of wisdom and revelation on my people. Wisdom to understand the time and the seasons in which you live in. Wisdom to discern both good and evil. Wisdom to discern the words to speak. Did I not say, do not fear that day? For I would give you the words, and I will give you the words in this day. So the Lord says, it is a new day. It is a new day. It is a day of increase. It is a day of encounter. It is a day that I mark you with loving kindness for purpose in God. It is a day that I mark you with loving purpose in God. It is a day that I mark you with loving purpose purpose in God. Ere boho yo hosho moyo. Maya boho yo yo boho shoyo. Ere moho yo 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 moho yo do moho. Yara maya ya 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 moho yo to no moyo. Ere boyo yo boyo yo 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 do boyo. And I'm breaking today, says the Lord. I'm breaking confusion. I'm breaking misunderstanding. I'm breaking walls. Be free today to become everything I've intended you to become. Be free to explore my heart. Be free to explore my goodness. Be free. To find the joy of your salvation. 2022. I'm going to restore the joy of my salvation. And I'm going to increase joy. For those who have abided in goodness. Abided in peace. I'm going to increase that joy as never before. And I'm breaking today, says the Lord. Victimization. Victim thinking. That which has held my people back. There is, I don't know why I see it, but in this auditorium, I see this crack right in the middle. And it's like from underneath the ground. Like there's, a, there's like fire and like a volcano underneath this ground. The Lord says this, oh, this is holy ground. And this is a healing of the ground here today. For I set apart this land. I set apart this land even many decades ago for purpose. And I will fulfill my word over this land. I will fulfill the prayers 
of people of yesteryear, and I'll fill the prayers of the people of this current generation to make this room a place of habitation. 